anyway, I want to thank Avenue D. They've been most uh, accommodating, allowing uh, me to share uh, with you guys over the last few weeks. Also, District 60, uh, they're the ones that supplied the donuts. And, um, I'm going to repeat what I said last week. I hope uh, the big book gets as much of an applause as uh, the donuts do. But anyway, we are drunks here, uh, or recovered drunks. I also want to thank everybody that's come. Uh, you're allowing me to, to give my passion. So I want to really thank everybody here for coming and allowing me to do that. Um, I'm going to start off with a meditation. And then uh, I even brought the right set-aside prayer this week. I, I, have, I, have two, I have two copies, one in my book that I read and uh, the one I gave you. Uh, I brought the one. Uh, yeah, I, I, my name is Chris Dowdell. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Uh, and this is not an AA meeting, by the way. May 30th meditation uh, or thought for the day is, I am a part of AA, one among many. But I am one. I need the AA principles for development of the buried life within me. AA may be human in its organization, but it's divine in its purpose. The purpose is to point me towards God and a better life. Participating in the privilege of the movement, I shall share in the responsibilities taking it upon myself to carry my fair share of the load, not grudgingly, but joyfully. To the extent that I fail, in my responsibility, AA fails. To the extent that I succeed, AA succeeds. Do I accept this as my credo? I love the program. Thank you. Uh, and we'll say the set-aside prayer together. And the set-aside prayer for all those that are new is to hopefully whatever you've learned up until today, you put that aside. When you, if you hear something new that I'm going to say, and it's, I, I think it's not going to be new. I might say things a little di bit different. And... Uh, just uh, put what you already know aside, see if you can have a new experience with the work. And once you have a new experience with the work, bring everything back in, and then hopefully you'll have a different experience beyond that. Okay? Is that aside prayer? Dear God, please set aside everything we think we know about ourselves, the big book, alcoholism, the steps, and in spiritual terms, especially you, God. Father, we ask that we may have a truly open mind so that we may have a new experience with these things. Please help us see the truth. Amen. Okay. The steps are broken down into three real segments or stages of action. Uh, and, and we address them in three distinct areas. For me, the alcoholic. The first uh, segment of steps one through three, and that addresses the act of disease. The solution to that active disease and the foundation in which we develop a new way of life or we begin a new way of life. Those are the first three steps. The second stage is the steps four through nine. It's inventorying the person that we brought in, my active traits, to begin the process of correcting those active traits. It deals with who we are in an, uh, as an active alcoholic and gives us a way to change and go beyond uh, our disease thinking. It is the process in which we begin to apply healthy principles in our lives 
It is a major house cleaning in all areas, for it deals with our past, and that's important to listen to. It deals with our past, uh, steps five through nine. The third step, uh, stage of growth is steps 10, 11, and 12, and those are called the maintenance steps. Uh, it maintains those new principles that we've attained to date, and we develop new ones as we grow in spirit. It, has the focus, uh, it focuses on our current and present behavior, any new insights that may come from the past, and it establishes a way of life that is God-conscious, allowing us to become and experience life without fear. It maintains our relationship with God and those around us. It is a way of life, and those were 10, 11, and 12. And I'm going to briefly go over and summarize what we've gone over in the first three workshops. Step one is an inventory step. All right. It is an inventory of what and who we are, and that is a person who has a disease. It points out that we're hopeless without help. It stimulates us to see we need to go to any length because that's one of the principles that I start to live by is that when I start having difficulty in growing, changing, or staying away from a drink, I remember that I needed to go to any lengths, and that's what I saw in my inventory of my first step. Step two is the, uh, the solution from taking that inventory. I saw that I was hopeless. I saw that I couldn't do it by myself, and I saw that I needed a power greater than myself. That's my step two. Step three is the biggest and most serious decision that I make. And that is that I'm going to take everything that I know, that I think I know, and I'm going to turn it over. I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to change my whole life. That's what decision three is. I am not going to remain the same. I am not going to uh, be the person I was. And in a sense, it's going to, uh, uh, you know, if you look at uh, the disease as having a life of its own, the disease is going to know that you're going to kill it off. Okay, that's the, the seriousness of it. And any time I take somebody through the work, that's where we pause in step three. Because it's not a decision to stay lightly. Okay, we've got a bunch of work to do ahead of us. And if you've got any reservations, let the disease kick your buns to make that decision and be willing to go to any length. And this isn't any length, all right? The any length that I have in my first step that I see that I'm hopeless, powerless, without aid, I don't have a choice in drinking. I will continue to drink until death or insanity. And that's the promise. And it's the promise of the big book. There's a lot more promises in the big book than the good ones, all right? So we, we, we take pause, all right? And, and I, I gave the analogy before these middle steps that were coming on. The first uh, step is like uh, you, you get the unprocessed iron ore out of the mind. The middle steps are the furnace that forges the steel of sobriety. All right? But that steel isn't tempered. The tempered comes in steps 10, 11, and 12. Another way to look at it is I want to become a, uh, a football player. I've got to make a decision. And when I want to become a football player, I've got to make a decision to go to any length. 
But there's a boot camp before that decision that I lived a life on the field. I got to start working at building up. And that's the camp you go to before you're able to uh, do it on the field. When I'm on the field, I'm in 10, 11, and 12. That boot camp might be helping me today, and my decision to be a football player might be helping me, but that's all the setup to live in 10, 11, and 12. Okay? So once I turn and make that serious decision in step three, I'm ready to look at what I brought in. And that's where step four comes in. And what I brought in is not a litany of the negative that I did in my life. It's not a litany of all the things that, uh, all the experiences that I had, all the bar jokes, all the, uh, the, 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 the things that, uh, okay, I was at Mom's and I brought this guy to uh, Mom's bar in uh, Sunset Park, Brooklyn, and uh, when we walked in, I stepped over a guy and the guy wouldn't come through the door because the guy was laying on the floor. That was part, that, that, that was the drunk okay? My insensitivity caused me to step over that guy. That's what I'm going to look at in my fourth step, okay? Because if I showed anybody down uh, in that area that I was sensitive, I think myself is weak, all right? Because I had a fear of other people's perception. So there's my fourth step. What are the fears that I'm running into that cause me to be insensitive to develop that character defect? Because I need to know that character defect for my six and seven steps, all right? So I address the fears, the harms, the resentments in my fourth, but out of that I develop, and you've all had the uh, handouts that I gave out, which were the uh, character traits. All those character traits on the left side of that sheet are all the negatives that I'm going to give to God, okay? These are the things that I brought in. Uh, things like angry, apathetic, argumentative, arrogant, critical, avoiding, cheating, okay? Like my disease of alcoholism, I could not do anything about them. The harder I tried to control my fears, the harder I tried to control my aggression, the more angrier I got and the more aggressive I got and the more fearful I got. So I took a principle of acceptance from the first step and I bring it into accepting who I am after I humble myself and share it in my fifth to see what I need to change in my seventh and eighth step, uh, sixth and seventh step. I'm going to ha humbly ask my God to remove these things, just like I ask my God to remove my alcoholism, okay, or my alcohol problem. All right? But what I can do is like I, what I learned in my first step, that I've got to go to any lengths, means that I have to go to meetings. I have to stay away from people, places, and things. I have to start changing the lifestyle behavior. So now I'm going to have to start changing the me. All right? Now in Brooklyn, where I come from, I wouldn't be concerned, agreeable, humble, fair, restrained, faces problems, honest, or modest. But those are the things that I work on when I give the others to God because it creates a vacuum and I have to replace it with something so it's positive action. Here's my six and seven steps. I give the God to the negative and I start applying the positive in my life. And I begin a process of change. And it's hard for me. And that's why I say it's like a, 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 an iron forge. I'm forging the steel of my sobriety that I'm going to live the rest of my life. Because remember, I committed to quit drinking for the rest of my life. I am willing to put down the, the drinking. When I saw the problem in my first step, I was willing to stop forever. Okay? And I needed to go to any length. And once I make that decision, the forever is there.
Okay? So I have to know myself, my character defects, my shortcomings, and whatnot, so I can change them, I can give them to God, and I can implement uh, the things inside uh, that I need to do. Alright? Now, eight and nine, I become willing, because I'm not resistant, I'm starting to get humble, and I become willing to make those amends, that I have identified the harms that I did in my fourth step, and that I shared about. And I gave you the handout where you, uh, you, you basically put them into three sections. Those that I'm able to do right away that I'm more than willing, those are the ones that I'm somewhat resistant to, but I'm still willing to make them, and those that I'll never make. Those we may carry into 10, 11, and 12, but we are working at becoming willing on those things that we're resistant. That doesn't mean that I don't work on all the ones that I can do. All right? I do the work. I'm responsible for the work. Not my sponsor, not anybody here. I'm responsible uh, to do the work. For the most part, what I've seen, and I work with a lot of people, it's usually family, friends, a couple of criminal offenses, and those are the main portions of the amends. And when I start dealing with my arrogance, my anger, my fears, a lot of that comes to fruition as far as me being a positive husband, a positive father, son, and so on, employer or employee, okay? But there might be some other things that I need to do directly because part of the amends is the last thing in the amends after I go, and it's not an apology, okay? I make restitution. I make right. That's what amend is. And so I have to make right, and part of that making right is that I have to ask that person, is there anything else I need to do to make it right with you? See, I'm there making it right for me. I need to know that they can make it right. I've made some amends where I've gotten some deleted expletives, and that's okay. But I needed to ask the question. I told you uh, last week that I got stopped in the middle of an amend. Okay. I'm not responsible for that. I was there open, honest, and willing to do everything. Okay. That's what the program asks of me. Now, I can't use my perfectionism that I identified in my inventory to say, oh my goodness, I'm such a lousy creep, I didn't finish it. No, I did it, it's over and done with. Anything that I have left, I haven't been able to do up until this point, and if and ever that opportunity, but that's the way I live, that's the principal life I live in 10, 11, and 12 today. It's in the past. Back in the day, there was the three R's, and it's not reading, writing, and arithmetic. Okay? You never repeat the first nine steps. Repeat is an R. You never repeat it unless you resign from AA or relapse. Okay? And that's my experience of what I need to do. Okay? Because what I'm going to do here is uh, one of the handouts that I gave uh, is... Uh, called the principles, propositions, the direction, the path, the program, the way, or the 12 steps, all right? It's your last one. Now, if I look at these, and I look at the, and, and all of this did, I, I, I sat down, and it took me about 15 minutes to put this together. Now, if you look at the steps, okay, uh, it's called, it's on the, the last page. Turn it on there. Turn it all the way again. 
one, uh, on one side it has weekly, monthly review, and on the other side it has uh, principles, propositions, the directions, the path. Okay? Now, what, all that is synonymous. The principles, all these are interchangeable, a way of life, the program, the way, the path, the directions, the propositions. They're all the steps. Okay, but you notice those 12 things that I put down there are not steps. All right, but under each step, I learn principles to live by. And this is the third part of my 12 steps, is practice these principles in all my affairs. What principles? I practice the steps in all my affairs, so I don't have to go back to the steps. I'm already living those parts of the steps. Okay? But I can practice the principles also that are underneath the steps. And as an example uh, on step one, acceptance, surrender, honesty, humility, and willingness. Step two, hope, belief, and willingness. Notice there's redundancy in here. Number three, trust, openness, growth, right thought, reborn. Four, discernment, awareness, insight, and commitment. Five, purity, humility, openness, trust. Six, insight, growth, truthfulness, renewal. Seven, change, freedom, discipline. Eight, openness, willingness, mindful, prayerful, humble. Nine, recreate, repair, amend, trustworthy, giving. Ten, right action, intuition, presence, centered, focused, and awareness. Eleven, God, conscious, detachment, oneness, reflectiveness, sixth sense, centered. Twelve, love, tolerance, charity, service, peace, brotherhood, and usefulness. Now, all those are principles by which I live by. And they're derived from working the steps. That's the third part of my 12 steps, all right? Because I'm going to deal with other things in the 12 steps, and that is uh, how to carry the message. But I just wanted to get that out to see. So if you see it as three separate segments, one through three as I'm addressing the disease, Five through nine, uh, four through nine as addressing me, what I brought in here, and now I've been reborn and I'm living a new way. And I'm going to get into that and validation of it in the big book. Okay? But if you remember, the fourth step says we've started a good beginning, we got rid of or identified our grosser handicaps. Okay? Identified, past tense. Now I know what to do with them, I'm doing them with them in the sixth and seventh. Okay? So if you have that concept, then I only have to live in 10, 11, and 12. I understand that I'm living in 10, 11, and 12, which really encompasses all the principles I've learned to that date, and I become free. And we're going to talk about that in the 10th uh, the Step Promises, which I think are more important, not more important. Uh, I like it better. <laughs> okay? Then the ninth Step Promises. Okay? All right. Uh, a couple of other things that uh, we can put aside and then get back into the book uh, is that uh, I said a while back how serious the founders took their programs. You have uh, one, How to Listen to God. All right. This is how they did their 11th step. It's a two-page thing uh, uh, put together uh, by a, a gentleman, Johnny uh, Batterson, and I believe he was from the Oxford group. I'm not sure. Uh, when I steal these things off the internet or come across them, I don't give uh, uh, validation to anybody except me for doing it. But uh, 
this is how they did, in part, their 11th step. We're going to go over a, a few things in our 11th step out of the big book, but I just want to give other people an opportunity to see that there are other ways. Remember, a vision for you states that more will be revealed. All right? So this is more that's being revealed. I don't stop with what's, quote, conference approved. I keep going on to find what I need to do, and my God leads the way. All right? If I develop a sixth sense, I'm going to see what's going to be appropriate for me. You can't tell me what's appropriate. You can tell me what has been appropriate for you, and I might take that if it resonates within me. But what I need to have resonating in me is the God of my understanding telling me which direction to go. And that's what the promise of uh, the, the big book is. Okay? There's also uh, an AA sponsorship pamphlet. This came from 1944, a guy named Clarence S. He's dead. His name is Schneider. Um, he got sober in and around 38, 39. He lived in Cleveland and started Cleveland AA. And this is his experience. But I just wanted to give you something more than what was in the big book. All right? The, his uh, sponsor was Dr. Bob. So, in fact, if you read what's in it, you can get a flavor of how Dr. Bob did 12-stepping, what his thinking was that he gave to his pigeon, all right? This is not in the big book, but yet more will be revealed, all right? So we're going to go over 10, 11, and 12, and, and uh, page, uh, step 10 is uh, the beginning of uh, life being centered on self and living in right action. 11, has, 11 allows us to have conscious contact with God, and 12 continues all the principles in awakening and the mindset and service to others. All right, we start on page 84. And when I give out, uh, for example, 84.2, it means page 84, paragraph 2. This thought brings us to step 10 which suggests we take a personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. All right. Step 10, set right any new mistakes. All right. Those are the things that we become aware of in the present. Those are the things that we see pop up because I'm not going to get rid of my aggressiveness overnight. I gave it to God in my eighth step, but it kind of sneaks back in every once in a while when people don't do what I think they should be doing, especially when I know better. All right? So it's going to creep into my daily life. So when that happens, it's really a new mistake with an old character defect. See the difference? I don't redo the steps before I am living in ten. I see who I am and I accept who I am because once I accept who I am, I can begin to change and I see the new mistake and I can change from there. It's like when I work with somebody, I don't expect them to have five years of sobriety or two years of sobriety. I, if I accept them for where they are, 
then we change together. But if I'm demanding you to be someplace that you're not, we're never going to get any place. Okay? So there's the principle of acceptance that I've learned along the way of doing the steps before. So it's not about the grosser handicaps but we, uh, or the repair that we had done to others in the past, and it's not bringing the, uh, the ninth step unless I become resistant to do another uh, a ninth step with somebody that I, I just happen to see walking down. I go, oh, no, I don't want to. I see the new mistake. I, I, I already made the commitment. I'm willing to make amends, and I go make those amends. So it's not doing the work before uh, or the steps before. Now, here's a promise that comes right after that, okay? Uh, by the way, another allusion to the, the uh, working the steps. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past, okay? We become a new way of living. We have entered the world of the spirit. That's a nice promise, isn't it? Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And they're setting us up here for the 11th step. How am I going to grow in understanding and effectiveness if I don't sit in prayer and meditation and ask the right way to go for my God? So it's already set setting. We already set up the, how the big book works. The big book usually sets you up for what's coming or gives you a problem and then right after it the solution. So it's setting us up for what's going to come in uh, step 11. Okay. Uh, this is not an overnight matter. All right, so we don't expect miracles. I'm not going to be struck sober. Whoa. All right? No miracles. I work for it. Everybody here can be considered a miracle. But it's not, it's a miraculous program. But if I have directions to a miracle, it's not a miracle. Miracles come unsolicited through the grace of God, splits water in half, allows me to speak if I'm dumb. I don't have to do anything. This miracle empowers us to become miraculous and in the spirit. We, uh, we continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Sound familiar from the previous steps? It's a redundancy, but it brings us into the present. When these crop up, we ask. And any time you see uh, the word ask, usually there's a prayer involved in it. We ask God at once to remove them. And in the handouts, there's uh, the prayers put together for step 11, 10, uh, and so on. We discuss them with somebody immediately. All right, that means soon, not next month. All right, all right, there's our fifth step. But what it is is that I become open and willing to be who I am with another human being. We make amends quickly if we had harmed anyone. A lot of times you don't harm anybody, but you do see some errors of uh, uh, character traits cropping up. And also those character traits that you haven't identified that you're going to start seeing because once I clear up some, new ones will start coming to the surface. So it is a never-ending process, but it is taking pause and uh, being centered on myself rather than being self-centered. Right. 
Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. All right, it's setting us up for the 12th step here. Not thinking about myself, not being self-centered, but uh, uh, thinking of someone else. All right, and this is one of the uh, love and tolerance of others is our code. They say there's no rules or codes in AA, but there's a rule and there's a code and there's a principle to live by, love and tolerance. It's a high bar. But remember, in my first step, the willingness to go to any lengths, I accept that high bar and I try to achieve it. In the little red book, we demand perfection. That's how the founders did it. We demand perfection of ourselves. But I don't beat myself up if I can't be perfect. There's the distinct difference. But my alcoholic, my heart can't be perfect, so I'll just go around like screwing up. No. Okay, that's alcoholic thinking. Okay. Amends means to implement corrective measures also. Okay. Uh, what, uh, right before when we said make amends quickly. In other words, if I am doing something that I need to stop, that's implementing corrective measures when I put a stop to it and put in place things that I will stop doing. That's what the 10th step means, that I am going to continue to correct course. Any boaters out there know that you can't set course and leave it there. Even if it's on automatic pilot, the automatic pilot will readjust because of wind, drift, sea, tides, following sea, etc., to keep you on course. So you can't just set direction and say, okay, I've done it all. It's constant awareness at the helm of your ship of sobriety and my ship of sobriety. We all have responsibility. We're captain of our own destiny. I don't put it in my sponsor's hand. I don't put it in AA's hand. I put it in my hand and my God's hand. That's where it belongs. That's what the big book tells me to do. And we have cease fighting anything or anybody. Another nice promise. For alcohol, by this time, sanity will have returned. There's a fulfillment of the second step promise that we will get sanity. There's a ten step promise that sanity will have returned. So when you see the bumper sticker crazy in sobriety, stay away from them. Do not ask, do, do not ask that person to be a sponsor. That's only a suggestion, by the way. You can if you want. Okay. We will seldom be interested in liquor, okay? That doesn't mean it doesn't come into my mind. But interested, no. We'll get to that in the next paragraph. We recoil from it as we would a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. That's not crazy and sober, sanely and normally. This has happened automatically. Well, when I set things in place, when I put the cheese in the mousetrap and that mouse tries, that thing goes off automatically. When I work those steps before this, this will come automatically. So it's telling you that if you have laid a good foundation, all the stones are in place and you're working the steps, sanity will have returned. We will see that our new attitude is promising us a new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. At the moment of awakening here is no thought and effort. 
The thought and effort's already been done in the previous steps in living in tents. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. Okay? How many times do you hear at a meeting, oh, I gotta be somewhat fearful of alcohol to stay sober? That's not been my experience because I've already alleviated fear from my life if I'm living the steps. So why should I bring in fear? That's an old thing. Why do I have to stay on God? If I'm safe and protected, why do I have to stay in a high state of anxiety? Okay, I'm free of that. Think about it. If I'm anxious, that's irritability, restlessness, and discontent. What sends me back to drinking? But irritability, restlessness, and discontent. All right? So when I feel anxious, that's a message from myself to me, allowing me to know what's going on so I can do something about it with the principles I've already derived. All right? Sobriety is comfortable. Peace. Sanity has returned. We have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Why do I have to be on alert if I'm safe and protected? We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It doesn't exist. You are not recovering. I am not recovering. Okay, I have recovered. The morning after the night before as the detoxing goes through my bones and I ache and I'm suffering, I am recovering. That's recovering when I'm suffering. I've reached a level of not suffering. But we're neither cocky nor afraid. There's a balance. Balance is being brought into my life. These are the ten step promises as I live the program. Now here's the caveat. That is how we react as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And that's what's called an advisory or a counsel. And this is what we do when we 12-step somebody. We don't tell them. We advise and counsel. All right? I share my experience, strength, and hope. My experience is with the steps. My strength is my program, and my hope is my God has nothing to do with my opinion about what you should do. Because there's one thing that I learned a long time ago. You know more about what you need to do than I do. And I also know what I need to do well before you do, if I'm not in denial of it. There's the caveat of vice and counsel. Okay, it's easier to give up on spiritual principles. And if we do, we're headed for trouble. There's a warning. Another word for a warning is a promise. You let up on your spiritual principles, you're headed for trouble. It's as simple as that. We have a daily reprieve, and this is in the middle of 85.1, contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day we must carry the vision of God's will into our activities and ask ourselves this question. How can I best serve thee? Thy will and not mine be done. These are the thoughts which go with us constantly. Notice when I'm out there in disease, my constantly thoughts are what you can do for me, what I can take from the world, and, what, uh, uh, and it's all about me. 
It's changed when I get to step 10. And they also say it's proper use of the will. The last uh, sentence in that paragraph, the proper use of the will. And that's a repeat from uh, uh, someplace in the, the 50s, uh, the pages in the 50s. We get our strength, inspiration, and direction from God who has all knowledge and power. That's where I derive my knowledge from, and that's where I derive whatever power I have if I open up to God's will. Here's some more promises right after that. If we have carefully followed the directions, remember when uh, we went back and carefully reviewed in step five the first five proposals. Now we carefully review all the ones up until now. And here's the promise of beginning to live in 10, 11, and 12. We've begun to sense the flow of God's Spirit into us. We have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. But we must go further. And that means more action, which is step 11. Okay, just a little, the vital sixth sense, the intuition that's promised in nine becomes part of our lives in ten. When we continue to go through asking and taking pause, we become aware of ourselves. That doesn't mean that I'm focused on my belly button and uh, in exclusion to everything else. But I'm aware when I'm stepping on your toe. And I try not to anymore. These are the things that we live in. And it's ongoing. This is where we do. Uh, step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. Now you hear around the rooms a lot of prayers that start off or say things like, I ask God to keep me sober every day. Well, if you've experienced the 10-step promise, don't waste this time. Okay? Because you are sober. And this is what's going to be uh, uh, obvious when we go into 11. We see how we're to pray, how we're to meditate, how we're to set ourselves up, and how we're to look at ourselves. Because these are the maintenance steps, and these are the, this is how we communicate with God. The, the handout on Battison is just... Uh, uh, one piece of it. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. I'm down at the bottom going into the top of page 86. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. It works if we have the proper attitude and work it. And we have to work at it. It's not easy. People uh, come to me time after time, well, how do you meditate? Well, it's the same way as you make love to a porcupine. You gotta, you gotta wanna first, okay? And the effort that you make, and you go cautiously, okay? The next paragraph, 86, one they call it an evening review, and. The evening review for me and what I've practiced in my time is the end 10 steps, all right? 
or the last 10 step I do for that day. Let me explain that because I know it's in the chapter or, or the piece that says the 11th step. I'm going to review what kind of day I had. All right? So right after the review, I'm going to ask my God what corrective measures. And there's the meditation where I listen to the answers. But I still have to review my day. So it's a tenth, although for me it's a tenth. And for me, I look at it uh, as what we're going to read as the directions for a tenth step at the end of the day. During the day, we take pause, and when we're wrong, promptly admit it, which means start. One of my character defects is I, I got a little heavy foot, all right? When I realize I have, and I'm practicing an old character trait, I have two choices. One, implement corrective measures, and that means back off the damn gas. Or continue doing myself will run riot down the road, all right? Now, there's a 10 step during the day, nice and easy. That's all that it is during the day, what the, that 10 step is. At night, I review my whole day. All right, some people keep journals. Journal, knock yourself silly. Whatever works. And that's the most important thing, if I can stress anything. When you read the book, if something resonates in you and say, my goodness, I can do that, that's what I need to do. That's what you need to do. All right? It's as simple as that. My way isn't going to work for you. Total my way. Well, let, let, let me correct that. The way I do it is not going to work for you. What I do is my interpretation out of the book to the best of my ability. And if you do that, it'll work for you. Okay? Slight difference? Okay? You will never get sober my way because that was my experience. I'm standing here. You're sitting there. And it's the same thing when we work the work. That's why it's so beautiful, this program, that it'll fit anybody if they're honest, open, and willing. I've never seen that fail. Never. Told you back in Chapter 5, that's one of the words that I would change. I have never seen it fail if the person brings honest, open, and willing. And that's based on that decision in that third step. That I'm willing to go to any lanes, bar none. Get, out of, get away from that door because I'm coming through it. All right? And keep that consistently with me. The program has never failed. My diseased mind will twist things in here, but I know it. I've never not known it. Okay? When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. We were, resent were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Question mark. We answer those questions. Do we owe an apology? And that's all that an apology is, is an external awareness and an acknowledgement that I've harmed you and that I am sorry for it. God bless you. It has nothing to do with making an amend. It's only an apology. Okay, but you ask yourself, there's another question mark. Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Question mark. Were we kind and loving towards all? Question mark. What could we have done better? Now it's getting into what we could have done. Or were we thinking of, uh, or were we thinking of what we could do for others? What could we pack into the stream of life? 
Okay, now it tells us not to take ourselves too serious because all it is is we want to know about ourselves. We've got to watch to go into morbid reflection uh, so that we, can't, we won't diminish ourselves to usefulness to others. And making review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures we need to take. What things that I need to implement in my life that I didn't have that earlier that day. And these are the building blocks of getting sober. Last uh, uh we ask God to direct our thinking and divorce from self-pity. We don't take ourselves serious. We don't crawl before anybody. But I do take my program serious. Okay, in the last sentence there, our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. I don't do well because I want you to think of me. I do well because it's expected of me by my God and in my meditations I see which way I need to go. Okay, the 11th step prayer on 86.3, uh, we ask God for uh, inspiration, intuitive thought, or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answer comes after we do and it talks about meditation on the next page inspiration becomes a working part of the mind I will start seeing things come in there's your meditation and on the last sentence more on the plane of inspiration they're being redundant with the sixth sense that's on the page 87 top of the page last next to last and we become to rely on that sixth sense that's a promise. And gone are our old ideas. Middle of 87.1 is a prayer we ask especially for freedom from self-will. And carefully make no requests for ourselves today. Which means the lottery. Which means, oh, even though I can do so much good work with the lottery money. Alright. We don't ask for ourselves. Where can I be of service to others? By the way, I haven't stopped playing the lottery, but that's the hope I've derived. Has nothing... Okay. Never to pray for our own selfish ends. And here's a suggestion on 87 to we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. Because if we live to, in uh, the life of the Spirit, we ask the ones that are with us to do the same. Okay. 87.3, again, they flip back and forth between the 10th step and what I perceive the 11th step to be. We pause when agitated or doubtful when we ask the right thought of or action. To me, that's the 10th step, but if it's the 11th, it's the underlying principle is the same, and I apply it in my life. And page 88, it finishes with uh, a few promises. We are much, we are then, in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decision. We become much more efficient. We do not tire easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange our, uh, our life to suit others. We let go of control. We become peace, at peace with ourselves and with others. It's not that I don't care for you of what you think of me because I do but I'm not going to have you dance in my head used to be an open dance forum up there everybody was dancing in my head I didn't know who the band leader was and they were playing uh, a CD at the same time 
all right? So I've calmed down. I've accepted who I am, and therefore your opinions do matter, but they don't drive me. See, there's the difference. There's the difference. There's only one that not only advises us, but disciplines us, and that's in uh, 88.2. We let God discipline us in a simple way we have just outlined. As explained on step one, step one encompasses about 40-odd pages, and then you add all the, those Roman numerals before that. Over half the book that is dedicated to the steps, which is 103 pages, is dedicated to the first step. Here we have one that's dedicated to one, uh, a whole chapter dedicated to one-third of the step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening, and when I get reborn, when I see things different, when I don't allow others to uh, be entertained in my head, there's a no rent sign on my forehead, and there's a no rent sign on your forehead too, because I don't belong in your mess either. I have had a spiritual awakening, a complete conversion of thought as they talk about in the first step. Okay? We try to carry this message to others. That's the middle. That's where I start and to begin to be of service to others, even though I might have been doing it before. Nowhere, and I've looked very closely in this book, nowhere does it say, I 12-step by coming and sharing at meetings. Okay? Or dumping my garbage. I help other people. Nowhere in it. Now, I might have missed it. I sometimes read very fast. But nowhere in it do I see it. And the third part of the uh, 12th step is practice these principles. And we already went over that. Today, I attempt to live by my principles, and those are the principles that I live over. But the anchor between having had a spiritual awakening and practice these principles is helping another. And how can I help another? And it's going to uh, uh, give us how we do it in this chapter. And again, it's a whole chapter dedicated to that. This whole book, especially the first 103 pages, is three books in one. One, it's our basic text. Two, if I pick this book up, it will show me how I can get sober without anybody else. Except another person that happens not to be in AA at the time I approach them. Okay, because that's all I need, is this book and a drunk to work with and I can get sober. Because that's what Clarence did. And actually when Clarence got sober and he went out to Cleveland, this book wasn't written. It was in the format of written. Oh, by the way, he's the uh, brewmeister in uh, uh, the first edition, Clarence. That's all I need is the principles and another drunk to work with, with to stay sober. It's easy to stay sober with the proliferation of meetings and fellowship and so on and so forth. But the only thing I need is the principles, my God, and another drunk. Okay. Don't want to rattle anybody's cages. That's not intentional if I do. 
but it's okay if I don't. All right, working with others. Oh, and the, the third thing that the book is, is a primer for me to how to carry the message. It's, uh, as we saw in the previous chapters, the ways that I can do and what I need to do to carry the message to others. All right, and this, uh, significantly enough, is titled Chapter 7, Working with Others. Okay, and one of the things that uh, I, I, I need to lead off here is detachment. Detachment is a principle usually followed uh, more closely with those of our fellow or sister fellowship of Al-Anon, okay, but it's very important to practice detachment when working with others. They might be called babies out in uh, California, they might be called pigeons up in New York or sponsees in other places, but they are our charge, they are truly a gift of God to us who wants to practice the program but it's also another human being that I am not responsible for, but I am responsible to. I am responsible to do the right thing and not give them my opinions, but my experience out of the book. And I need to be, for me, very fervent in that. And I believe it. My only contract with all my, uh, the people I work with is I won't lie to you, I won't lie for you. What I see, I give you. What you do with it is a gift to you and God. Period. That's how I work. That's what the big book, I believe, tells me to do. So I need to practice the, uh, uh, the art of detachment from uh, the person that I'm working with. If they do well, it's not me. It's God in their life. And if they don't do well, I take inventory to see what I could have done different. Notice I said I didn't take their inventory to see what they could have done different. I apparently didn't share the message as well as I could. That's how I 12-step. <clears throat> working with others. Practical experience shows that nothing, that's kind of an all-inclusive word, so we've got to watch here. Nothing so much ensures immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. Notice they say intensive. That doesn't mean just making coffee, although that's part of it. It's intensive work with others, and that means carrying them through the steps and uh, showing them a new way of life, and you get a good idea out of Clarence's uh, thing. And by the way, Clarence's uh, uh, thing is on the Internet. So if anybody is astute, Google it, you'll find it. Uh, the, the, the one other thing before I get into this is uh, the weekly slash monthly inventory, okay, which is not in the big book but was also taken off the internet. Uh, it's a thing called Steel on Steel. We used to do that up in New York, but not as uh, uh, the way they apparently have it very uh, well lined out as far as going over your program on a weekly or a monthly. I think they do it a monthly thing, uh, a monthly group effort that four or five of them get together and they go down that uh, list of inventory of where they are in their program with the circle and triangle and it's in your handouts. Uh, and they look at where their program is, uh, if they're right with God, and so on and so forth, and they'll share on those different items. And then they'll open it up to get reviewed by the other people with them. Okay? And we used to do that up in uh, where, where, where I got sober. There was about three or four of us in early sobriety. And I'll tell you, 
one, it's humbling, but two, it's an insight with how your friends can be as loving but hard on you. Okay? And that's what forges the steel of sobriety, is to be willing to open yourself up for constructive criticism. And notice I say constructive. Okay? Not demeaning, not judgmental criticism. It was all about them helping me stay sober, and I was open to them, and when they shared, I was to them. And it, it's, uh, if you Google steel on steel, uh, you, you'll see the premise behind it. As, as, as it morphs, other people do it different ways. It's basically the same way as I just uh, explained. Okay? But it is working with others that's going to keep me sober, and, uh, uh, and I have to carry this message. And what this message means is the message that's in the book. The message that's in the book. That doesn't mean I haven't experienced other things that I can also carry with them. Okay? But basically it's what's in the book. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. And if you want to miss it, there's some fears floating around, there's some anxiety, low self-esteem, inability to help others, whatever it is that's blocking you because this is going to block me from the sunlight of the spirit. Frequent contact with newcomers with each is the bright spot of our lives, and it is. You know, I work with others, and as uh, long as I don't take responsibility and I see the growth, I, I rejoice as I would rejoice looking in this little one's eyes. You know, it, it is. It's, it's, it's a beauty. Page 90 at the top, when you discover a prospect, you find out all about them. It's not about you. It's about them. You need to share yourself with them, but it's not about you. You don't try to persuade them in doing it. They got the biggest persuader. You got the biggest enemy on your side, and that's the bottle. Okay? That's their persuader. And it'll work, given enough time. Okay? And it warns you. It may spoil an opportunity. So don't proselytize. Okay? And remember, very important, we saw in our fifth step, they were sick. These are sick too. Don't personalize if he uh, does something or she does something that is inconsistent with the way you think you should be treated. Okay. On 93, and I hope this blows some myths out the window, let, then let his family or friend ask him if he wants to quit for good. No day at a time. It is not a day at a time I stay away from alcohol. Remember, I've experienced the 10-step promise that the problem has been removed, so I don't live a day at a time. So if I don't live a day at a time, I'm not going to ask somebody to uh, see if they can get well a day at a time. I'm going to ask them if they want to quit for good. If they don't want to quit for good, this ain't the place for them. That doesn't mean I kick them out of the rooms, but this isn't the place for them. Because the second part of that question is like the first step questions we went all over in the first step. And if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he's not willing to go to any extreme, don't waste your time. Find somebody else. That's what it's telling me. Okay, that doesn't mean I don't carry the message to them and say, when you've had it, you, when you've had enough, and you want to uh, do some work, here's my number. But I don't have time. Because, see, if I start trying to battle down that... I, get taken away from somebody else that might be willing to listen to me today. And also, all I'm doing is when I battle a drunk, I'm reinforcing their resistance. And that's not what it's about. I'm not going to train them to keep in denial. Okay? So think about it. That's all you're doing. 
They know their disease better and they're protected better than any offense you can bring them. Uh, on 91.3, see alone if possible. Okay, at first engage in general conversation. After a while, turn to talk to some phase of drinking. So it's going to lay out here how to go about a 12-step of a wet drunk. I know there's, uh, at this day and age, there's not many. I've been very fortunate uh, uh, in, uh, back in the day that I have had one hell of a lot of experience with wet drunks. But if you look at some of the people that come through the doors today, you could consider some of them wet drunks, even coming out of detox stations and whatnot. Okay, because they are truly ignorant about what they need to do. And what they need to do is apply the principles in their lives, including the first three steps. And it warns them uh, at the end in 91.3 about moralizing or lecture. All right, again, a warning. On 92, right at the top, tell them how you were baffled, how you finally learned that you were sick. The baffling is the insanity of not knowing why they can't control their drinking. And this is what they said in step one that we mean to ram home time and time again, that we have no choice. We are sick people. All right, again, it's being redundant here. The mental twist, or as they uh, talked about earlier in the book, the obsession of the mind. So again, it's repeating the themes that we had in the first step to show you how to turn around and show me how to turn around and deal with a newcomer, okay? Because they have to, to break down their denial. When did we uh, decide that we had no choice? Only when we fully acceded to ourselves that we were alcoholics. And this is what they're reinforcing here is if, and we're working with a newcomer. So they're giving us some more advice. And this advice is really redundant from the first step. Okay, so uh, used to have a teacher that said you got to know your onions. And these are the onions you have to know to work with a newcomer. The hopelessness, the inability to choose, the willingness to go to any length. And this is the questions you ask. This is how you do it. And you tell them how you were hopeless. And if they're a real alcoholic, they'll start identifying in spite of themselves. But if you're saying to them, you, the wall goes up, screw you, and whatnot. I was very fortunate, my sponsor Walter irritated the hell out of me, but one thing, I used to go after him to ask, uh, and I asked him a question about what I needed to do. He would never tell me. Never. But he would tell me where to look for it in the book to find it. Drove me crazy because, see, I wanted him to tell me what to do, so if it failed, I could blame him. I didn't know that at the time, but that was intuitive in me. All right, at the time, that was one of my character defects that I could set you up for my failure. Okay, so this is what I do as an active alcoholic. So now that I understand it, I can see that it ain't going to work with him, the, uh, my prospect that I'm working with. One of the more important things is in uh, 92.2, ram home the illness and the fatal malady and all the ramifications of it. Of course, if the drunk was like me, he only thought it was a, a, a hobby gone a little bit astray, my drinking, not a disease. 
And that's one of the things that sold me on it when I was 12-step. I walked in here with the first three steps under my belt, not the way I understand them today, but I was willing to go to any length by the time I hit my first meeting. A lot of people that come into the rooms today are not there, so we have to educate them. So it is a partly an educating process, not an educating how Dow Dell did it, and this is the way you should do it, but if I teach them how the disease affected me, hopefully they will be still enough to listen. And one of the things it says, careful not to brand him. I, I skipped over that as an alcoholic. Let him draw his own conclusion. My experience has been is only the disease can give me my first step. No one else can. On 93, the squiggly writing, the main thing, he'd be willing to believe in a power greater than himself because if he asks you what the solution is, that's what the solution is. That's what the solution to uh, AA solution. And then on 94, paragraph 1, outline the program of action. Notice they don't say an, uh, uh, the old adage, uh, those uh, three frogs sitting on a, uh, a log, you know, you don't do nothing for the first two steps, and the third step is only a decision, and if uh, one makes a decision to jump, uh, how many are left? And the answer is supposedly three. Well, they're, they're wrong. The answer is two. If you make a decision, you're in action. Coming to believe is an action. Identifying my disease is an action, and one. And my acceptance is an action. Because before then I was in denial of and resistance to, and I had to change that to acceptance. So that's an action. We have a program of action. Okay, and it goes through just about all the steps uh, uh, made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out. Important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. So you're not doing it for anything else except to stay sober. So you're teaching him that he has to do that when he comes around. Okay, so you're a power of example. 95-2 is a direction. If he's not interested in your solution, he expects you to act only as a banker. Bye. <laughs> I don't think that says it in there, but uh, you get the idea. And here's an important thing. My God is my God. 95-4. If he thinks he can do the job on some other way or prefers some other spiritual approach, encourage him to follow his own conscience, not yours. Okay? I've worked with people that uh, after I've gotten them up to the tenth step, uh, the ninth step, and I said, go find yourself a drunk to work with, and we're going to go over 10, 11, and 12. They recoil. They say, whoa, I can't do that. You know? But they do, because it's a, it's a strong suggestion. I validate it in the book, and they go out. Oh, they're not working. They're not doing. They're not doing. Well, here it tells you the direction. Search out another alcoholic. Second uh, line from the top. That's all. My responsibility is to search out another alcoholic if a prospect don't work. Bill Wilson, I think, went through 60, 90 of them. I don't know. The number's in the middle double digits. You know, so uh, who am I? You know, I'll find a drunk. That's where you go to AA meetings. You go to the AA meetings to find a drunk that wants to uh, go through the work. Okay, and there is some practical advice which they touch on in 96.2, all right? And there's some practical advice you can give them, but the majority of what you're going to give them, hopefully, will be 
your experience in actively working the steps, how you work the steps, how you wrote your inventory, what it says in the book, how to turn over the character defects, how to give them to God. What are character defects? These are the things we teach them. We give them the tools or the fishing rod to fish and how to fish and what bait to use. 97.1, an advisory or a counsel. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. So if you're not helping others, you're missing a foundation stone. See, I can turn things around. So if you're just coming into the rooms of AA and dumping uh, your dump, uh, you're missing a foundation stone because that ain't helping nobody. I can almost guarantee you irritating the hell out of some. Okay? That whole paragraph, 97.1. We hear gratitude, gratitude, gratitude at meetings. I hear relief at meetings. I relief that the wife is off my back, the job is going relatively well, the boss is in the SOB anymore. That's relief. You know, I'm not getting uh, thrown over the hood of a uh, cop car. That's relief. Gratitude is an action word. And that whole paragraph is how we show gratitude. It may mean the loss of many nights sleep, great interference with your pleasures, interruption to your business. It may mean sharing your money, your home, counseling, fanatic wives, uh, frantic, sorry, Freudian, uh, and relatives, innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, and so on. Those display gratitude, in my humble opinion. And sometimes it's not too humble. 97.3, though an alcoholic does not respond, there is no reason why you should neglect his family. You should continue to be friendly to them. The family should be offered our way of life. That was prior to Al-Anon, but even still be familiar with the precepts of Al-Anon. They're the same thing. They work, walk uh, the same path. They have a spiritual experience, and they uh, uh, walk the life uh, uh, of health, peace, tolerance, and love. Okay? Uh, and so be aware of the resources for families. One of the caveats that you can remind them is on the bottom of 98.1 or right above 98.2. We simply do not stop drinking as long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of our dependence on God. How many times did uh, we say uh, that I need to depend on other people to get well? No, you don't. You need to depend on God. Use other people, but you need to depend on God. That is our way, or that is my way. That is the way that's in the book. That is the trust. Dr. Bob said it, trust God, clean house, and help another. There's our, uh, there's our three-step program again. Okay, I'm smashing it home maybe. 98.2, burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. Oh, she get me upset. Oh, the boss is a SOB. I can't get well as long as I'm working with him. Both. That's not been my experience. See, me the drunk, I'll go around blaming people, places, and things. I've learned one thing and one thing very clearly. It is never them. It's me. Never them. Direction for a newcomer is halfway down, 
family, uh, so he can do to his family and is thoroughly explained to them the new principles by which he's living and he should proceed to put those principles into action at home. We went through a whole slew of principles before on all the steps. These are the things we not only activate in our life in between the preamble and the hour, Father, but we carry them home to the best of our ability. Argument and fault-finding are to be avoided like the plague, a warning. That's not principal behavior to go home, argue with the wife, kiss the dog, and call your kids to bear seat. There's another promise on 99.1. The alcohol... The alcoholic continues to demonstrate that he can be sober, considerate, and helpful regardless of what anyone says or does. Of course, we all much fall much below the standard many times, but we must try to repair the damage immediately lest we pay the penalty of a spree. And that's reinforced in our 10th step. It tells us that no one uh, gets me drunk. How many times? She made me do it. No, that's a crock. She can't get you well and she can't make you do it. My self-will is going to get me drunk and my self-will is going to make me do it. That's all. It's me. See, it's all about me anyway, see? And it reinforces it. Again, the book is good for reinforcement. 99.3 at the bottom. Remind the prospect that his recovery is not dependent upon people. It is dependent upon his relationship in God. And when we... Uh, spend time in prayer and meditation, we form that relationship. Promise that the, uh, uh, in 101, both you and the new man must walk day and day in the path of spiritual progress. That doesn't mean uh, if he's a mechanic that you help have him help you with your car. Okay? You don't take advantage of your prospects. But conversely, if you can, you allow your prospect to take advantage of you. And it's not really advantage. You're a spiritual open door for the way. You become tolerant and loving. The person is sick. There's a promise at the end of that uh, paragraph. Follow the, follow the dictates of a higher power, and you will presently live in a new world and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. So what it's telling me that if I can turn around and work the program, no matter whether I hit the lottery or not, no matter whether I have a job or not, no matter whether I have a place to live or not, I will have a new, wonderful world no matter what my present circumstances are. And I've seen people get sober, truly sober, and I've shared this with you before that uh, sobriety is not abstinence. Truly sober in abandoned houses. Okay? I've seen it, and it can be done. And they can be happy, joyous, and free. And I've had many other experiences that people come in here because of the ravages and the damage done to the body are forever in a wheelchair or confined to crutches and are totally happy, joyous, and free. I don't know whether I could carry that cross. But see, that's not the cross I need to carry today. They did, and they were able to do it. That's the promise 
of our big book. That's the promise of uh, growing along spiritual lines, that no matter what you have in your life, you can overcome it and go beyond it and, be, and accept it. Those are the principles. And there's another promise right at the bottom. Assumingly we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things that alcoholics are not supposed to do. Okay? I'm not a sponsor that's telling people they're not supposed to do anything. You can do anything you want to do, as long as you're spiritually fit. But there's a warning and counsel on 101.1. We meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. There is something the matter with his spiritual status. Cautionary advisory. The direction and purpose on 102. Paragraph 2. Here's the essence of our 12th step, the middle part of the 12th step, 102.2. Your job now is to be in a place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere if you can be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on earth such as an, on such an errand. Keeping on the firing line of life with these motives, and God, you will stay unharmed. That promise finishes up our 12 steps. Uh, and on 103, our, after all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We had to. I opened up with yesterday's... Uh, thought for the day, and I'm going to close with today's thought of the day, and it's on the same thing. I shall not wait to be drafted for service to AA. I shall volunteer. I shall be loyal in my attendance, generous in my giving, kind in my criticism, creative in my suggestions, loving in my attitudes. I shall give to AA my interests, my enthusiasm, my devotion, and most of all, myself. Do I accept this as my AA credo? Peace and love to everyone. Thank you. Thank you.